Welcome into the Jock of All Trades podcast. It's Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. We're just going to jump right in. Mike, how you doing, man? Doing good. Feeling good. How are you? Nice, man. Same, same. Um, I'm looking forward to a good weekend of college football, hopefully. Um, in episode three of season three, we're going to be breaking down, um, sadly, Michigan State's loss at Washington. Um, U of M's win over, was it Connecticut? Um, just a, a brutal team. I don't even remember who they played. Another high school. Yeah, exactly. And then Notre Dame, you know, squeaking out a win at, finally at home against Cal, but that was really ugly, and I have several problems with that game, but we, we will get into that in a few minutes. Um, in segment two, we're going to be breaking down the top 25 in college football, you know, uh, talking about the top five teams, talking about, you know, what teams might be ranked too high, you know, what teams are surprising you. Um, there are a ton of really good college football games coming up here in week four this weekend. We're going to be talking about those. And through three games in the college football season, who are our top three or four or five Heisman candidates through, through three weeks? And then rounding out uh, the episode, we're going to be breaking down the Lions' big win, the first win the Detroit Lions win over the Washington Commanders this past weekend, and talking about the Lions' first time they're going on the road against the Minnesota Vikings this upcoming Sunday at one o'clock. So, if you're ready to go, like let's just just like jump right in, Mike. I'm ready. So, obviously, you and I didn't go to the Washington game. Um, uh, Michigan State lost 38-29, something like 39, that. 38 29-28 at Washington on Saturday night, prime time. Um, I thought Michigan State was going to win by ten. You know, what are your thoughts on that game, and you know, what did you take away from it? I'm with you. I thought we improved defensively, and honestly, this defense might be worse than last year. You know, we only lost by 11, but it was never closer than a two-possession game. You you go down 22 to zero and score with a minute left in the first half. The offense didn't play well. You know, Peyton Thorne put up big numbers, but how much was it? You yeah. know, just trying to catch up. They're playing prevent so we don't beat them over the top. You guys had 42 rush yards for the game. Oh yeah. You know, like the your running backs and shit. The offensive line looked terrible. I mean, our ceiling is half of what it was last year. We don't have Kenneth Walker to, you know, save the offensive line. I would mm-hmm. say the only bright spot was Keon Coleman that game. Balled out. He looked good. He looked like a stud. Balled out. And I think when uh, Reed is healthy, that's only going to make Keon Coleman better. Keon had nine, nine catches. I don't know how many targets. He had nine catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he showed up to play, um, and I thought Trey Mosley also had a great game. He made a big catch. Um, their defense, though, you know, zero sacks, none, zero, zilch. I don't, I don't know what the scheme was. I mean, it was cover three every play. You never pressed the receivers, never blitzed. He had all day to throw and hit wide-open guys. I mean, they just methodically went down the field, occasionally had the big play. It was just a terrible defensive scheme. I mean, like when you have no sacks and no interceptions against a quarterback that's, you know, spinning it. I mean, he was uh, uh, Michael Penix, the transfer from Indiana, um, was 24 of 40 for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he almost played perfect. And if you're not getting pressure, if you're not getting sacks, if you're not getting picks against somebody that's like putting up those numbers, um, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Like, what were they up? 22 nothing in the first half? Um, Yeah. In the first quarter, maybe no. It was it was the first half. And at the end of the half, it was twenty nine to eight, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, am I really watching this?" But you you really saw the loss of uh, 
uh, uh, Xavier Henderson and Darius Snow. Like, I don't want to blame it on injuries because... Jacob Slade didn't play either. You can't blame it on injuries, but I'm just saying that their defense got exposed uh, with those three losses. You know, you got... You got Jacob Slade, who's you know one of the best pass rushers in the Big Ten. You got two leaders in Snow and Henderson. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm carrying their water, but you definitely, I definitely saw that as wow. That's obvious that they really need those guys to compete. And I, I mean, it's always next man up, and I didn't really see a next man up in the secondary. No, nope. and you know the only thing going into Minnesota, we're lucky that they don't pass the ball. Tanner Morgan hasn't thrown for 300 plus yards since. 2019, they just lost their top receiver for the rest of the season. Yep. But they have one of the best running backs in all, co- in, in, in all of college football. Oh, yeah. So it's going to come down to the trenches instead of the air this time. And uh, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be clear. It's supposed to be, you know, dry, um, you know, for that game on Saturday. So, I mean, like, as far as Minnesota goes, um, I had – State losing that game to start the season. Um, I don't think I still kind of feel the same. Uh, Minnesota's favored by three. Um, I don't see Michigan State winning that football game. I I think that they might lay an egg. I think if Michigan State does win, I think that could be a huge trend-setting win to kind of linchpin a run for them. Next week they got Maryland, and then they might run into a buzzsaw against Ohio State, but they need this Minnesota win. If they they lose this game. Seven and five. If that, yeah, maybe six, six and six. I mean, that's the schedule does not get easier. Uh, I wouldn't say Minnesota is easy, but you know they're definitely not easy. Maryland has the perfect offense to pick apart Michigan State's defense. You know, Ohio State's great. Wisconsin's still solid. You got Michigan. You got Penn State. Penn State looks really good. <laughs> yeah, um, so. Their 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 schedule is very tough and. Um, it's going to be really hard to get a win at home against Minnesota, and that might sound crazy, but Minnesota has the second-best rushing attack through three games in the whole country. They're, they're, I take that with a grain of salt because they played random teams, New Mexico State, some FCS school in Colorado, mm-hmm. but, I mean, they look good. They're, they look better than we did against when Western or, I don't know, we did pretty, pretty good against Akron. But, yeah, but again, yeah. like Western and Akron are equivalent to their cupcakes. Um all I'm saying is, is their running game is no joke, and that's going to be interesting to see how your run defense, um, because like I thought you guys did a really decent job against the run on Saturday. It was the pass that, you know, really, really, uh, you know, fried you. So yep. we'll see what happens. Do you have a prediction for the game on Saturday? Going to be optimistic. I'm going to say 30 to 27, Michigan State. Okay, I got I got Minnesota 24-21. So we'll go ahead and keep those receipts and. Uh, touch base on it next week. So as we kind of digress from Michigan State, we'll talk about Michigan very briefly. Um, uh, You know, again, they have not played anybody. Everybody knows that. It's been highly talked about. Um, Yes, they had a great game against uh, UConn on Saturday. Um, Yes, J.J. McCarthy looks really good. Um, It's just so hard to evaluate, and I, I don't know how their coaches are doing it with you know, you got, they played seven different quarterbacks and they had, you know, 15 different receivers. And it's like, how do you evaluate or know who your team is when you're playing such bad teams? And I give a lot of credit to Michigan State going to Washington. I give credit to Notre Dame going to Ohio State because you kind of find out what your team is built of. And 
I don't know. It's just really hard to talk about U of M because I don't know who they are. Yeah, they get their first test this week. And if you want to call Maryland a test, exactly. they're favored by 17. Um, I'm interested in seeing Talia. Yeah. That's his name, right? Yep, yep. Um, against Michigan's defense. So we'll see how that goes. But Michigan's had success against them in the past. I expect more of the same. But we'll see how they do against better competition. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's better competition. I, I, again, I you know I'm not watching Maryland football every week, um, but I, I do know that Maryland has. I mean, they're three and zero. They put up fifty six points against CLT, whoever CLT is, uh, Charlotte. I'm sorry. They put up fifty six against Charlotte. They put up thirty four. They beat other Methodists thirty four twenty seven last week, which I thought like it like going down to Texas. That's not a easy game to play. Um, and then they beat Buffalo 31 to 10. So we'll see what happens. Maryland uh, is a 17 point dog against Michigan. I think um, Michigan might score every possession though. So Maryland might put up some points, but it's still not going to be close. I I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. That game's on at 12 o'clock on Fox, and finally we'll be able to um, see what Michigan is made of because this is a conference game, um, and. Uh, We'll see what happens. There's not much really to say about U of M because, again, we haven't seen them play anybody. Um, that kind of segues us in, into Notre Dame, and um, it was one of the hardest games for me to watch. To, to start the game, Notre Dame played at home against Cal. There was seven straight three-and-outs to start the game. We had three three-and-outs, and Cal had four three-and-outs. There were seven punts to start the game, and it was – it was just bad, and our offense is bad, and we don't have a quarterback. And luckily, we have a really good defense that has kept us in games, and it kept us in the Ohio State game. It kept us in this Cal game. Um, you know, Notre Dame is not good, and I, I, my take is this is is kind of similar to what you said against Michigan State. If Michigan State loses to Minnesota, it, like they're seven and five at best. If if Notre Dame loses to North Carolina, we're seven and five at best, and. Um, it's just, it, it's bad. I don't know if you watched any of that Cal game, but do you have any thoughts on Notre Dame? It was, it was, it was really hard Did to watch. Did you see that clip of their offensive coordinator yelling at the quarterback in the booth? Of course, and I loved every second of it because for those that didn't see it, you know, he said that um, you need to get your effing head in the game and your effing team is counting on you. And, um, you know, he, he took heat all week because, you know, of course, Notre Dame's was Catholic University and we're better than that. And, he had a press conference yesterday, and they made him apologize for his choice of language. Okay, you know what? If you're playing college football at in Division One, in Division Two, you're at the University of Notre Dame. You don't think your coaches are going to be hard on you? You're out of your effing mind. Yep. And for him to have to go out there and apologize because of his language, screw that. He's coaching. He's intense. He knows his players. His quarterback responded after that. Finally, threw a touchdown pass. You know these people need to get off his back. But um, just talking about the game this weekend, North Carolina is going to be a really, really hard game. Um, UNC is favored by one and a half. It's at North Carolina. Um, our only saving grace is North Carolina's awful defense. Um, you know, my take on it is, is we lose by 10. Um, I don't think it's going to be close at all. Our, our offense is not showing me anything to say, hey, we have a good offense. I mean, it's just not there. I mean, the no quarterback, no skill players. We have good backs. We have a good line and a good tight end. But besides that, I mean, Josh Downs is still at North Carolina, the wide receiver. He's a top. He, he's a first-round draft pick this year. 
They got a new freshman quarterback that's really good. They got Mac Brown. Do you have any takes on? Are you worried about Marcus Freeman at all? Or do you think it's just give it time, three years, he'll be good? No, I, I'm not worried about him at all because, you know, uh, Brian Kelly started off his career at Notre Dame with two losses to Michigan and Michigan State to start the year. Lou Holtz, the same, lost his first two games. Newt Rockney, the same thing. Yeah, that was his first win last week, right? Yeah, Marcus. barely. And, you know, like hopefully that gets him off the snide. Um, but I've always been worried about him coaching. You know, he, he, he's a hell of a recruiter. He's a hell of a defensive mind. Our defense is really good, but it takes a certain kind of person to be a head coach in Division One. And, you know, you saw it with Brady Hoke. You saw it with... Um, uh, like maybe with Marcus, um, you you saw it in my opinion with guys like um, John L. Smith or you know or Bobby Williams. You know, like they were good special teams coordinators and they were good defensive back coaches. But when you take over a whole program, um, it's different. You know, you saw it with who was the coach at, at Louisiana State that won the Natty um, that got fired. Ed yeah, Bergeron. yeah, yeah. Like like guys like that that you know Clay Helton at USC. You can go on and on. Like guys that were really good coordinators, but it takes someone spe- something special to be a head coach in D1, especially at a brand like Notre Dame and Michigan State and USC, et cetera. So I'm not worried about – I think Marcus Freeman's leash is, is long right now, but it might be tight at the end of the year if they're 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, you know, so we'll see what that happens. Staying in college football, you know, talking about the NCAA and, and the whole top 25, um, you know, in my opinion, you know, I want to get your take on the top 25, but – for me right now, you know, I, I, I think Georgia, I mean, is just different. You know, they have only given up 10 points all year, and they've scored like 130 or something like that. You got Alabama, who is, I, I think, second fill to Georgia. You know, they, you know, again, these, like, they went down to Texas, which I give them credit for. You know, Georgia went in their backyard and played Oregon. You know, Alabama went to Texas, which I give them a lot of credit for, and they won. Ohio State had Notre Dame at home, but... Those top two teams, do you agree that they're, they've kind of set themselves apart from the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Clemsons, the Oklahomas, the USC's? I, w- I would personally throw Ohio State in that mix as the top three solidified, but I'm not sold on Why Michigan. Is that? I'm not, uh, Ohio State, their offense is just too good. They're going to be in every game, so it's really up to the defense, and their defense performed well against Notre Dame week one, which turns out isn't the greatest offense, but they still... It was, it was a hyped-up game, though. It was it, like they, they went out there and won. Like they was, were down 10-3 to or 10-7, and then they came back and won. I totally agree with you. Definitely an improvement from last year's defense. Um, I'm not sold on Michigan, not sold on Clemson because their quarterback, Oklahoma, eh, and then we'll see about USC. So yeah. I think those three teams are just a tier above everyone else. Well, I want to ask you this question. I totally agree with your Ohio State over Michigan because they, they've played somebody. Um Number 14, Penn State. Penn State is 3-0. Penn State has gone to Purdue and won 35-31. They played Ohio at home and smoked them. They just went to Auburn and won 41-12. They went to a school in the SEC and won. Why is Michigan ranked above Penn State? Because it's Michigan. It's the name brand. Simple as that. Why are any of these teams, Kentucky, Oklahoma State, USC, Oklahoma, Clemson. Penn State has won two really hard road games. Yeah. And they're 3-0, and they won them convincingly. Well, James Franklin came out and said, we're done. We're not doing that anymore. 
why go play tough games when everyone else is playing cupcakes in the first three weeks? They're just setting themselves up for, you know, no chance at a loss. Why, why go to Auburn and potentially lose? That's what he said. I mean, he's ever done. And Oklahoma State is three and zero. Oklahoma State is three and zero. They're ranked above them. They played Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Arizona State, and Central Michigan. You know, all at home. And you can't you can't convince me that these teams should be ranked above Penn State. Um, USC, I think, should be. USC went to Stanford and won 41-28. That was a really good game. Fresno State, that was a really tough game at USC last week. They smoked them. And then they smoked Rice in week one. USC is, in my opinion, a top-five team. Um, Clemson and Oklahoma, uh, I'm going to learn a lot about Clemson. And, and, and that might be a good segue into our next topic because Clemson has to go on the road to Wake Forest this weekend. And, and that game, right now, Clemson's favored by seven at Wake. I would not be surprised if that line goes down maybe a little bit before Saturday. Um, that game is at uh, 12 o'clock on ABC uh, right after game day. Um, you have any thoughts on that? The over is 55 and a half. Both teams are 3-0. and I don't think that's going to go over. I bet that goes way under um, at Wake Forest. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I would think they would come out with some intensity. I might see like a 10 to 3 halftime score and then Clemson pulls away but Clemson, it's the quarterback for me bro it's the quarterback they get they have everything but the quarterback and Wake and Forest has a really good one i think it's only a matter of time until Clemson makes the quarterback change but um Sam Hartman for Wake Forest their quarterback could be a a, a first round draft pick he's he's that good and i think in games like these you know when state Washington and Ohio State and Notre Dame. It came down to quarterback play. Yep. And in these big games, it comes down to quarterback play. If if Clemson's quarterback throws three picks and Sam Hartman, you know, controls the game, the game's over, period. And it's going to come down to quarterback play. So we'll learn a lot about Clemson um, and Wake I still feel like Clemson's defense is going to win them the game. So. That's their strong point. Yeah. Um, you got number 20 Florida. At, this might be the game of the weekend. Um, you got number 20 Florida at number 11 Tennessee. Tennessee is favored at home by ten and a half. You were kind of shocked by that spread. It's just a big spread, but yeah. I think Tennessee is going to win the game. But I would not have expected an eleven point spread. Uh, you know, Hendon Hooker's been a great quarterback. Yep. But Florida's got Richardson, I believe is his name. Yep. Air three. You know, it's at Tennessee, but I don't know. It just seems like too big of a spread. The thing about Florida is, is they just squeaked by South Florida last week. They won by three. Um, South at, at home. They were at home. Their first three games were at home. They they beat Utah, which was a huge game, and they came out on top, 29-26 comeback. Great game. They lost to Kentucky at home last um, in, in week two by 10, and then they just squeaked by USF last week at home. So I can see why Florida's an underdog. It's not much of a home game for Florida anymore. It's not like the Tim Tebow era where it's packed. The Swamp, yeah. Yeah, it's... It was packed for that Utah game, though. It was, it was January, yeah. but USF last week it wasn't. Um, and I, I, I don't know if it was or not for the Kentucky game or not, but um, but Kentucky's no joke, and I think they're showing that right now. Yeah. Um, this is a big rivalry game. It used to be. I, I remember the days when Texas played Texas Tech and, you know, the, the Johnny Manziel days or, um, uh, you know, uh, Colt McCoy and um, um, – uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, just just those games against Texas were always really good. And um, right now, it's at Texas Tech. Texas is favored by seven. 
Both teams are 2-1. and one. It's a rivalry game. I would take the over. The over is 61. I think this could be a shootout. Um, uh, your thoughts on that game? I agree. I'm a little disappointed that Quinn, Quinn Ewers got injured. I was excited for him. He put up a good fight against Alabama until he went down. Um, I think Texas wins this game. And He's know. suiting up. He, he, he's suiting uh, yeah, Sark. Uh, Sark said today that he's gonna be he's gonna be in uniform. He's gonna be there. He's traveling with the team. What that means, I don't know. They have a lot of depth at quarterback, so I'm not really worried about that. But he's definitely a difference maker. So hopefully, he does play. I mean, like I always love to see an upset. So I would love to see Texas Tech beat them because I always think Texas is overrated. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know he makes an appearance. Um, next big game we got is. Eh, not really. Oh, yes, yes. This is a very big game. So, you got the uh, Razorbacks of Arkansas going to Texas A and M. Texas A and M only favored at home by two. Your thoughts on this game? I don't even think they should be favored. Texas A and M. Why are they still ranked? They well, should I mean, be. They should be ranked. The reason why they're favored is because they're at home. That that place is something different to play at. Um, I guess they beat Miami last week, but. No, that that was that was a big win. They um, have no offense. They can't score. Not yet. Yeah, I would assume Jimbo's under a lot of fire there. You know, with after losing to Apple, they lost to App State. They just squeaked by Miami. You got Arkansas at home. If you start the year two and two with that bought and paid for recruiting class that they had, I mean, you got to think he's under fire. I mean, you would think those people are like, um, you know, Bama, Georgia, you know, if Louisiana State. Like, if you're not winning games, you're done. You're you're and, and freaking Kevin Sumlin, their former coach, has a better record than Jimbo does. You know, so I would not be surprised if they lost. I don't see them losing this game. But if you start the year 2-2 two and two out in College Station, Jimbo's going to be on the hot seat. And I feel like Arkansas never gets respect. No, they're great this year. They're ranked 10th. Um, they're 3-0. and um, Sam Pittman always has them hungry and fighting. Their offensive line is always 7-foot, 380, every single one of them. You know, they're. They have a good quarterback. They have AJ a great. Jefferson. They have a great quarterback. They have a great. They have a great coaching staff. They like. They have everything going there. If they go to A and M, uh, on Saturday and win, that's a huge, huge win. And I guarantee you, Arkansas gets the eyes of everybody in that division saying, "Yeah, well, we ain't. We ain't going nowhere." We'll probably get game day next week because they play a home game against Bama. I would think that's solidified if they did. Um, the last big game of the weekend, and again, we, we use big game lightly. It's 2-1 and one Wisconsin. They're unranked, going to the horseshoe to play Ohio State in Columbus. Ohio State right now is favored by 19. Um, you know, as far as this game goes, it's pretty much, you know, Braylon Allen is a beast for uh, uh, Wisconsin. Um, you know, he's already got three, almost 350 yards and five touchdowns. He, he's doing really well. They're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to control the play. Um, I don't see them winning at all. Um, I don't even see this game as close. But um, you know, you got C.J. Stroud, you got Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't even made his. You know, he hasn't even joined the party this year yet, and they still got guys stepping up. So, you know, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, they're so deep. There's no. I don't think Wisconsin really has a chance. It might be interesting first quarter, but then no, it's gonna be a blowout. It's at Ohio State. It's not. It's, it's, it's really hard to, you know, go to the horseshoe. You know, I saw that in week one with Notre Dame. And, you know, to even, you know, think about going there and getting a win when Michigan State did that in the rain 
when Tyler was it Tyler O'Connor two backup quarterbacks it was O'Connor and the light skinned black guy yeah Damon Damon or, or Damian Terry Damian Terry yeah I mean for for them to do that and when Michael Geiger hit that kick like that is such a hard thing to do um, to like go into you know a hostile environment like the Horseshoe and get a win. If Wisconsin pulled it off, that that tells me Michigan probably has the Big Ten locked up. Um, really, I mean, maybe Penn State. I mean, I really like Penn State. Like maybe next week we'll do like a a, a Big Ten rankings of you know like the you know from one to fourteen to um, to to just see. But uh, Penn State showed me something last week. But if Ohio State does not you know convincingly beat Wisconsin and convincingly beat Michigan State. I think Michigan could, like, very well could be back-to-back Big Ten champs, but... I don't even want to think about that. Me neither. Talking about the uh, 2022 Heisman Trophy candidates through Week 3, um, I have two guys that have stood out. I don't know if you want you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Yep, you can go. Two guys to me that have stand out that I think are 1 and 2, or, you know, 1A and 1B, let, let's say. First one is Stetson Bennett, the quarterback for Georgia. Um, nobody saw him being in contention. He's balled out. They're three and zero. He's put up huge numbers. He, um, I mean, you know, again, they've they've put up 130 points in three games. Um, he's played phenomenal. Uh, my second one is, and I, I gave you crap for this in in the, in the first week, but Caleb Williams yeah. from USC. For me, that's I mean, he's been dominant. USC USC just flipped a four star offensive lineman today from Notre Dame and. Lincoln Riley is just watch out for USC this year for sure, but one thousand percent sure next year and the year after because Lincoln Riley is not going anywhere, and his system, his uh, um, uh, his cojones, his recruiting. I mean, he is he's something different, and he is really really good at what he does, and he's gonna, you know. He's gonna make guys shine. He's put up sixty six points, forty one points, and forty five points, and 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 that's Caleb Williams, you know. And he's making plays with his feet. They got Oregon State this week. They got Arizona State. They got Washington State. They're gonna be seven and zero going into that Utah game at Utah, which will be a really good game. But for me, right now, the two front runners are Stetson Bennett and and Caleb Williams. You know, you know, like we got to see what C.J. Stroud does. We got to see what Bryce Young does. Um, you know, for a defensive player to win it, you know, can can Will Anderson do it? He he doesn't have the numbers yet, but maybe he will. But like, like my two guys right now for sure are, are Caleb Williams and Stetson Bennett. How about you? My top guy, my new front runner is the guy you just mentioned, Caleb Williams. He's yeah. completed seventy five percent of his passes, um, eight hundred and seventy four yards and eight touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, that's that's really good stuff. That's exactly what you want out of a quarterback. Um, it's only, I mean, they don't play many tough games. They got Notre Dame. I think that's their last tough, tough game. Utah, maybe. At Utah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even say Notre Dame's a tough game because they have us at home and Notre Dame sucks. So, so his I stats would say, are only going to get better. I would not be surprised if they were, um, uh, I, I would say, like undefeated like at the end of the year. Um, I don't I don't see them why they wouldn't be. Um, and, I, and not only does Caleb Williams, you know, has he completed 75%, which is insane, you know, the eight touchdowns, but he's been sacked, like, most, like, he's been sacked seven times. So, like, their offensive line is only going to get better, mm-hmm. you would think. It's USC, um, and with that coaching. So, 
And then he's got two wider. He's got Jordan Addison and, and then the slot guy. I want to say Mario Williams was his name. Uh, I mean, like, when you have playmakers like that and you have Lincoln Riley calling plays, like, I, you know, I, I mean, you're kind of talking me into putting, you know, 100 bucks on Caleb Williams right now. The odds are plus 350. I mean, those are those odds are pretty much telling you that he's going to win. You know, yeah. like number one in the odds is C.J. Stroud at plus 250, and Caleb Williams is second with Bryce Young at plus 350. Then it goes all the way to plus 1,200. So, I mean, yeah, like man. Las Vegas is seeing what we're seeing. So I would keep C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young in my top three. I mean, they're going to get theirs. The only it's, thing is schedule, though. Yeah. You know, you know, like C.J. Stroud has to play Michigan, has to play Penn State, has to play Michigan State. Yeah, but if he having a great year and he puts up 50 points on Michigan in the final week it's all his but what if uh, like like what if Caleb Williams is 12-0 and 0 and they've put up 60 points in every game and yeah. you know he's got you know 35 touchdowns or 40 touchdowns and 3 picks you know um, yeah but I, I think the schedule is going to be a big determinant in that and the same thing goes for Bryce Young you know like when you're playing Arkansas Ole Miss uh, Louisiana State Auburn you know Florida every year it's really hard to put up good numbers but like you said like if you're putting up those numbers against the schedule that could be a really really interesting thing we're going to stay on the topic of football um but shifting to the nfl um here locally you know the big talk all week on sports talk radio and just the buzz around people that love sports here in detroit um the lions uh hosted the washington commanders on sunday um they got a huge win and it was a convincing win and uh the Lions looked really good, and, you know, the guy sitting next to me was there live for the game. And before we get into the Lions stuff, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about Ford Field because I've never been to a Lions game. All right, do it. Um, how long were the Lions getting in there? Because when I, I heard people talking, they said that some people didn't even get to sit down until the second quarter. I got there about 45 minutes early, and I still waited like 20, 25 minutes to get through. So there's definitely excitement downtown. A lot of tailgaters. The hype around the Lions has been crazy because of hard knocks, because of, um, you know, just the excitement around the team and, and having the exposure and with, you know, the playmakers and one of the best offenses is one of the best offenses, one of the best offenses in the NFL. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of hype around them right now, and, and it's exciting to see. Um, what was the environment like down there inside the stadium during the game? I, so I've been to a few games and it's never been that loud. Every third down, people were standing up, going crazy. It felt like a college game, you know. The crowd really got into it, and it's a dome, obviously. So that that sound just echoes and yeah. echoes, and it was it was loud in there. I was having a great time. Uh, like, did you have food or, or or drinks there? Like, did like 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 does Ford Field where the Lions played like do they do any special kind of like like you know some stadiums do like some really odd foods that are really good or just, you know, some craft beers? Like, 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 like did you indulge in any food or beverages? Uh, not food. I got a beverage, but that was about it. So, like, talking about the game, you know, like, players that stood out, like, just, you were there live, and I, I watched it with my buddy, like, I, I want to give my take, but, like, seeing a game live is different, you know, what, what did the fans react to? Like, what, you know, what players kind of stood out, both offensively and defensively? Well, I mean, the obvious obvious one's St. Brown. You know, he had nine catches, and he was probably open on every single play. He's the 
perfect receiver for Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. We have DJ Chark just running down the field. Mm -hmm. So they have to, the safety has to cover him, and St. Brown's wide open every single play. It was so exciting to see. And then they got him involved in the rushing game. You know, he had that... That jet sweep was sick. Yeah, he had, like, that 60-yard jet sweep, and no one even knew he had the ball until he's running down the sideline, and the crowd starts going crazy. I mean, it's... Every time he touched the ball, everyone was super happy. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Aiden, when he got that first sack, oh, everyone was loving okay, it. Okay, like can he I can I everyone. yeah, but you know can I can I say something please? Because one thing that bugs the living hell out of me is like he's already kind of a fruity dude, but to do a Michael Jackson dance yeah, move after every sack, it. It, it's and then not only is he doing the dance move, but then the the sound people there are playing Billy G. Yeah. It's like it's his, it became his whole persona. It it's cringeworthy. Yeah. It's, it's bad. It's tough. It's it's hard to watch because like you're like they should be playing some like hard rock or like some like ACDC like uh, Welcome to the Jungle or you know like like yeah. just like something that's like but all right like it's yeah, not I, badass. He, it's not the, the people like it now, but it's it's a little suspicious. It's gonna be bad. It's it's gonna it's gonna be to the point where it's like, yeah, you're getting questioned. Um, Rod Rodrigo. I That's mean, who I was looking out for every play. Just Rodrigo. You know, it's exciting. You know, he the, led the team in tackles. I think last game. Yeah, he did with he eight. Did, yeah, like eight. him and Hughes. Uh, and 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 Will Harris who played great. Um, Rodrigo is just he's all over the ball. You know, yeah. like. What does Mel Tucker say? He says, find the ball or get the ball or be on the ball or like whatever their motto is this year. Like wherever the ball is, Rodrigo is and Hutchinson is too, by the way. Uh, they're just all over the field and he's like the heartbeat. Yeah, I, I would agree. say him and Hutch are the heartbeat, which is I, crazy. He's a six round draft pick. I wouldn't say he's the greatest pass defender, although he did almost have an interception last game. But every run, he's there. He's there, he's stopping them, and it's just exciting to see the passion because, you know, he wasn't a first-round pick entitled to it. Who? Rodrigo. He was sixth, wasn't he? He was sixth, fifth or sixth round, he yeah. Sixth. And he, you know, he fought for it. And he's excited to be there, and, you know, the crowd was excited for him. Was there any time in the third quarter, because that's when, when uh, the, the first drive of the third quarter is when Washington pretty much went down and said, hold my beer, and... I think it was like six or seven plays. They went down and just drove, and I was like, "It was Here typical we go. Lions defense. They were just throwing it down the field and catching it. They were wide open." But um, like, like, did you? My question is, is did you think, "Oh, here we go, same old Lions," and then it got to be seven points, and like, like we were only, only up by seven, and and that's when, I want to say St. Brown had that jet sweep, yeah, and it was kind of like, okay, and then Swift caught it, fell, and that was unbelievable. Up. That was awesome. The crowd went crazy for that one. Was there any time in the third quarter that you were like, oh, my God, are we really doing this? Not me because I had faith in that offense, but the people I were with, they were like, same old Lions. See, I told you. We're going to lose. We're going to blow it. I thought it. Yeah. I mean, luckily that didn't happen. You know, we dominated that first half, and I would say the second half was, I mean, we were more cautious, but it was a pretty even half. So, I mean, it's a good sign going forward. I would Our say, offense is really good. I would say we won the first half. I would say they beat our you know what's in the third quarter and then the fourth quarter we said we're not gonna like we're not gonna kill this lead we're gonna hang tough and so many teams this year have been down at half been down the third quarter and uh 
and lost or like like they've been up and lost you know the lions said no we aren't going to do that like we're going to we're going to pull ahead like we're going to make big plays the deandre swift play the jet sweep by st brown you know they they hung in there and like can we talk about the offensive line for a second because that yeah. to me was the most impressive thing down three starters and swift and williams and even reynolds they all ate i mean it was a great game you know um how many 191 rushing yards. It's amazing. With three starters down. It's unbelievable. It's only going to get better from there. I think we average 7.4 yards per carry right now. I heard something today. Um, the average yards per carry is like 4.5 yards. And we have how many? And we're averaging 4.7 before contact. I mean, we average... More yards per carry before contact than this team's yards per carry. That's crazy. When our offensive line has been hurt the whole year. Oh yeah. Like like we were down our like like Pro Bowl center Frank Ragnow. We were down yep. Jonah Jackson and we were down. My ties just done for the year. It yeah. sounds like. So like 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 our our tackles were there, but we were starting you know um, you know Skipper and some other dude yeah. that Practice you know they, squad player his whole life. Yeah, it was at Starbucks. He was working at Starbucks last week. Now he's on the <laughs> offensive line for the Lions and. It was awesome to see the offensive line, and it was nice to see the, them get a win. Um, we got to go to Washington this week, and or, no, I'm Minnesota. sorry, we got to go to Minnesota this week. Uh, you know, you know, it's kind of like that up down theory. You know, that's kind of like mental. It's, you know, the Vikings got dusted, you know, by forty or thirty five on Monday to Washington to uh, Philadelphia. I keep going to say Washington. They got dusted by Philadelphia on Monday. Um, they okay. got to come back home and play the Lions, um, you know, what are your initial thoughts on this game? Uh, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think both teams score more, more than 30 points. Um, Even Kirk Cousins is going to put up 30 points? I uh, just got to throw it up to Justin Jefferson against our DBs unless Okuda really steps it up. Yeah, we, we definitely don't have Darius Slay, so... Uh, wow. That was ugly. Two picks for Slay. Uh, also, it's a 1 o'clock game. It's not prime time, so Kirk is pretty solid at those, uh, what was he like two and thirty or two and twenty in uh, in prime timer like just never much. plays on Sunday and Monday nights, um, you know Jared Goff has played great you know he's he's been serviceable he's done what he needs to do DeAndre Swift has been great, um, Amon Ross St Brown has been unbelievable, um, you know, I you know, well I mean the Vikings are favored by five and a half so, um, for me I think we're gonna win this game and and I I think if we do. Um, to, to have Seattle and I think New England maybe on the horizon for the next two weeks after that, I mean, we could be could be 4-1, and one, which is insane. Um, to even have that possibility. I, do you know anything about Minnesota's defense? I'm, I'm curious. It's I mean, mediocre. You know, it's not better than the Eagles. I mean, we put up 35 against the Eagles. 35 against the Eagles, yep. And they put up 7, 10, something like that. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to evaluate on one game. I'm just saying that our offense is not the issue. No, our I, I think we're going to, you know, Jared Goff is a perfect game manager. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to make crazy plays, but he's going to lead this offense down the field, and we're going to score points. I, I think we're going to get 30 points, um, and it just comes down to if the defense can stop Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook, it seems like every time he plays, uh, gets 100 yards and three touchdowns. Jefferson last year had an insane game, and, you know, if you know, he can get his, he, if we, we have to slow Justin Jefferson and yep. Dalvin Cook down. No We're doubt. not going to stop them, but we have to slow them down to win this game. Jeff Okuda did a great job on 
um, I want to say Devontae Smith against the Eagles, and then yep. I don't know why Washington didn't throw the ball last weekend. They, they have three amazing wide receivers, but I, I, I mean, our front seven against rushing has been great. You know, I mean, Delvin Cook is very good, um, uh, but but so is Antonio Gibson. And, yeah. You know, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, can can Dan Campbell get them? You know, there's no question he's going to get them motivated. Can he get them to win a big game on the road? And this is a, a division opponent. Um, you know, your first divisional game of the year, and they're coming off a big loss, so you know they're already going to be PO'd. Um, for them on defense, you know, they don't really have many. I mean, like, they have Patrick Peterson. I mean, he was good 10 years ago. I mean, I don't know how, how good he is now. No, it's, I would um, say they're on Washington's defense uh, skill-wise, if that. So, like I said, the offense is going to do what they need to do. It's up to the defense. And our defense – the good thing is Kirk Cousins is not a mobile quarterback. At all. No, he's not Jalen Hurts where you stop him, but then – Carson Wentz is more mobile than Kirk Cousins. Oh, I mean, Kirk Cousins is probably the least mobile guy besides Tom Brady. Yeah. Um – so, I mean, if you get the pressure, he's going to have to either take the sack or throw it away. He's not Jalen Hurts. So What if Hutch has, like, four, like he had three sacks, I want to say, in the first half last week. First half, yeah. What if he has four sacks in the game and, like, Okuda has a pick and we win, like, 31-10? I Can you imagine the hype around the Lions? Yeah, people are going to be running down Woodward going crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, they're already, they're already going to be getting the floats ready for the parade and and everything like that's the exciting thing is is this is the first time that I've seen to be honest with you potential in the Detroit Lions with without even having Jamison Williams and you made the point about Shark he had zero catches for zero yards for zero touchdowns his stat line was all zero except four targets and the main reason why is because they're doubling Shark when you said he's running down the field like a bat out of hell yeah and you got you know Amon Ross St. Brown open in the slot that runs it for 40. Um, what happens when Jamison Williams comes back? Like what what what, what happens when you got I don't two deep know. threats and you got Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot and you got Hawkinson, who I have a question for you about that in a second, and then you got Hawkinson. I mean, it's a scary offense that's going to get scarier, honestly. And it's so it's so strange to say that about the Detroit Lions, but it feels true. Like, feels different, man. Feels different. Yeah, I mean, Chark, like you mentioned, all zeros across the board, but. Takes the defenders with them, and what do you think Jalen's gonna do? Goff had a bad throw, and it could have been a touchdown, early in the game. But I mean, he does what he needs to do, and as long as he's fine, it doesn't get as long as he doesn't turn the... that he's not getting his targets or his oh, receptions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Hawkinson is in a contract year, and he was a first round draft pick. I want to say, I think in twenty sixteen. I think it was either sixteen uh, or seventeen. Oh, okay. They better not re-sign him. No, he I is I absolutely. Don't think they will. He's absolutely terrible. You can't give him top five tight end money. You're not giving I him mean, top fifteen tight end money. I'm sorry, he's not. Good. I know, but he's gonna. He's gonna want. Some That's money. fine. He, See um, you later. I mean, he's getting so far seven receptions a game, but he's only catching fifty percent. How many drops did he have? I I, he I remember vividly at least three. Three. Yes. At least three. One of them was. I would say he dropped, but it, I don't think it was. You got, but then he also had some nice catches too. But then again, you need—he's not a Mark Andrews, he's not a Travis Kelsey, he's not a George Kittle. We know that. But I'm saying is, is you got to catch the ball when it's thrown to you, and yeah. he has not done that. And you know who we did see catch it—the other tight end on our team. Yeah, twenty-five yard catch while getting destroyed up the middle. 
Can we agree that you're not supposed to draft tight ends until at least like the fourth round? Or at if all. there's a really, I mean, we, we've had no luck with tight ends between Eric Ebron and TJ Hawkinson, and I, I could go on and on. But you know, like the Michigan tight end, all like I would love to have that dude. Like I would like he, he's not going to go in the first round, the second round, third round. He's probably going to go in the fourth, fifth, or sixth. And to get a guy like that that can be serviceable, um, with with the wide receivers that we have, we don't need. Mark Andrews or Kittle or Kelsey. We don't. And Hawkinson's not a great uh, blocker, blocker so at all. He's terrible. So there's no point to pay him the eighteen, seventeen no. million that he's Hell the man. No. Hell no. And and I would I, I know Brad Holmes is not going to. Especially with the QB decision coming up. Do we keep Goff? What do we pay him? Or do we take one of the top quarterbacks if depending on how the season goes. I think we table that till the end of the season. I, yeah. I think that's what's going to dictate it, depending on what our record is, yep. where we're at in the draft, you know, what this team is like. I would not be surprised if Jared Goff is on this team for the future, and I would not mind that, to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't say I'm a Jared Goff fan, but I'm not a hater. I, I think that for what this team is, with the good offensive line, the two good backs, you've got the wideouts, you know, he's he's yep. what we need. And Exactly. Uh, uh, the million-dollar question is, is, what is your prediction for – uh, Minnesota and uh, and the Lions and why? Lions thirty eight, Minnesota thirty one. It's going to be a shootout, but I'm just hoping the defense can limit some of the big plays because I think the offense is going to eat all day. Yep. How about you? Thirty five seventeen Lions. Uh, I think the defense does show up. I think Hutch is going to have another good game. I, I think that that he got that first game jitters off his back. Um, I, I can do without the Michael Jackson uh, moves and music, and I know that's not going to happen in Minnesota, but that's just weird to me. Um, look for Jeff Okuda to make a, a splash this weekend. Maybe, you know, Kirk Cousins does something dumb and, you know, you know short arms Jefferson and Jeff Okuda, you know, has a big pick. He, he needs it mentally. Um, and then for the offense to just keep on doing what they're doing. I mean, the offense has not given us any reason. I mean, we had three guys working at Starbucks last weekend on the offensive line, and I look think what they Rad did. Mouse back. He is. I don't know about Jonah Jackson. I don't think so. But but I mean, like we did that, you know, in the NFL. I mean, you're going up against, I mean, top athletes in the world, and you got guys coming in off the streets who only allowed three sacks. Yeah. I mean, it was it was an unbelievable performance. I mean, the offensive line and. And in in Dan Campbell's post game you know video or whatever he definitely gave a lot of props to those guys and that was nice to see so hopefully the Lions can you know get that big dub um, a lot of big games this weekend a lot of referendum games um, you know games that might set the tone for the season especially for Michigan State and Notre Dame I wouldn't say that for the Lions but for Michigan State and Notre Dame for sure wouldn't you think those are referendum games if they can get a big win and if they can set themselves apart it's like okay yeah if you can get a at least for Michigan State, you get a big win. I can still see the eight to nine potential yep. wins, yep. but if you lose it's, six or seven, and I totally feel the same way about Notre Dame. So hopefully, we'll come back next week with news of you know two really big wins in Lansing and Charlotte, North Carolina, and then hopefully a big Lions win. So that wraps us up for episode three. Hope you guys have a good night, and we'll see you next week.